Welcome to the World Review Commentary. This is your host, George Butler, broadcasting from Austin, Texas. We're actually South Austin, Texas. Our program is every Sunday morning between 10 a.m. and 12 a.m. This morning we have a very insightful guest. Alan Watt is his name, and he can he can describe this matrix that we get caught up in and we get entangled by. Uh, and and you can bet that he's got one of the finest insights that I've ever ever encountered in 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 the radio or internet and, and in this world. Welcome to our program, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be on here. Yeah. I tell you, you 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 relate your experiences from from early childhood. Is that what happened? You started waking up pretty early about the world in general. Yeah, I did. I did. I saw it all around me. In fact, growing up in in Britain, uh, the, the the place that supposedly ran a good part of the globe, uh, the empire, and the sun never set on the British Empire, as they say. And I, and I wondered why pretty well everybody I knew was poor. <laughs> Uh, if, if all this money was coming in in corporate, uh, that all this natural resources to plunder across the planet, how come only a, a few hundred families in London seem to benefit and hold on to it down through the generations? And I thought about all the, the manpower, all the labor, every hour of labor that had ever been done over the centuries. How come uh, those who did all the labor had nothing? It, it just didn't tally up to me. And so very early on, I approached teachers, and I was, I was only five and six, but I asked for a, an adult library card, and uh, they did have talks with me, and eventually I was approved. So I got into the adult libraries and the reference libraries in the big towns, and they had old books there going back sometime to the 1700s for the reference library. And I, saw, I read history as it was being made at the time and, and recorded at the time, and then, of course, back at school, I was getting a completely different version of history taught to me. And when I brought up the facts to the teachers, they were stumped because they themselves had been given a different uh, form of history. So I realized that the George Orwell eventually, uh, later on when I read his books, was quite correct, that truth goes down the memory hole with every generation as they rewrite history and give you a new fiction for your reality that will be your life, basically where you'll argue about all the, the basic problems, which are really a sideshow, and that politics itself is called uh, party politics, because that's what it is. It's a party. It's balloons and, and trumpets and, and whistles. It's a party. It's a sideshow for the public, because that's how we're in fact run. I bet you had some interesting conversations in those classrooms when you were in school, right? It was, it was. But <laughs> well, there's some really happened. lively confrontations. Tell us about one of those, maybe, that you can remember the best. Well, you see, what I didn't know at the time, uh, until a bit later, about a year later, and this was when I was about seven, I was still studying, and um, I, I found that, that England, the English educational system, had mandated that all of the all of the discordant parts of history to do with Scotland and Ireland uh, were to be removed from the history books. And yet here I was going into the reference libraries, looking at the stuff written at the time, and incredible slaughters that went on through those countries, uh, mandated by London. And I could see why they'd removed it from the later books for for a harmony, as they call it, like you have harmony. And, uh, of course, when I brought this up in the schools and I was giving them dates and, and uh, massacres and slaughters and so on of the Scots and the Irish, uh, the teachers were 
totally stumped. They hadn't been taught that themselves, and I never thought of going into the very old books to find out. So we had discussions in the classroom. Uh, I was up in front of the headmaster many, many times because I was giving out this information in class, and I was going against what, what was the mandate of the educational authorities, which was to, to pacify the public and give them a fake history for harmony's sake. Boy, you, you really, I tell you what, I guess there were always people whispering behind your back, like, oh, he's a nutcase, or he, his history is all distorted. Did, did you get some feedback from several friends that, like, from, you know, from your community like that? I got not so much um, uh, discordancy. Uh, I did get curiosity because, in fact, some of the older councillors there, I remember meeting them to stop me in the street, and, and they'd start questioning me. Uh, at that time, of course, I didn't realize that even the structure I was living in uh, was a, a gang-orientated structure because all the respectable people in the area, the Catholics, the Protestant leaders, and so on, all belong to their own Freemasonic associations. Uh, but the, 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 the people at the top of those associations would, would stop me and quiz me for, and, and talk maybe for an hour or two sometimes. Uh, they were never coming, they never came down on me. They were curious as to what made my mind. So they treated you fairly well in that community, and they knew you were on a mission, on a, on a crusade for truth, right? Is that how they yes. sort of begin to to uh, to see you in your in your community? Yes, they did. Um, I was I was certainly odd. They couldn't. Uh, some of them are a bit scared of me because I I never lost the arguments even with the adults. Like I had the facts to back me up. Well, you were unsettling then, and and they're in this little comfort zone. It's like a cocoon, is it not? Maybe where where, it, it where people fall into this comfort and they have jobs and they have worldviews and they have religions and, and they sort of lose sight of, of seeking the truth. They do. In fact, that's one of the major things I stumbled across was how all mammals um, are warned by one or more parents of those things they should be wary of, things that were dangerous to them. And I realized that humans were the same. And if your parents did not know truth, or what you should be worried about. They can't pass on that information. So the young mammal, the child, grows up thinking that the world that he's in is quite natural. It must have evolved that way. It never dawns on them that it's been planned that way. And, and that's how simple it is. You're, you're, you're made to accept the world as it's presented to you in every generation. And Lenin mentioned this as well. He said there are a thousand directions that society could go as a structure but he says that the public must not be allowed to know that. They must think that the one they're born into is the only natural one there is. These, these world sorcerers, I guess, could be, they could be described in that way or are into creating more of a collective community, a collective political uh, yes, group so yes, that they can more right, easily so. control. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, there's, there's plenty of evidence there is published, in fact, by many of the big think tanks, but run by think tanks. There are, there are sections and specialized think tanks that run all parts of our lives and culture. Even when our culture is changing, these are the guys that plan the changes, including the music and the drama and, and what kind of games are we playing on the Internet and so on. And the Club of Rome was one of the biggest clubs formed for the, for the globalist society, again directed out of London. And their job was, as a premier think tank, was to look to the future that they wanted to bring about and see how they could bring it around. Uh, they market their ideas to the lesser think tanks that then work out the problems in how to market 
uh, right to the people's minds. And the Club of Rome, in their own book, uh, written by the two founders, um, is called uh, The First Global Revolution. It says, um, they said that they had sought out a way to unify the world, and that because of history, the only time that people worked together cohesively and unitedly what was toward was when there's war. Therefore, to get the people in a global society to obey the new system, which was also to take over all resources and put them under the auspices of the United Nations, all food, all water, etc., under the United Nations, they said they would need a new enemy, and they thought about all the tricks they could pull to convince the world uh, and panic them, uh, to make them obey and go along with this agenda. They thought about the space alien idea, would that work? Could they, could they pay enough science fiction writers to, to, to scare us all about UFOs and so on? And then, then they hit upon the idea of using the weather as, as the big enemy, and ultimately mankind himself is the enemy, and, and therefore we'd have to change our whole way of living because we were altering the weather. So that's where they came up as an idea. It wasn't true. But it was a good idea, and with enough publicity and marketing through big foundations and agencies and media, they could make the public believe it. And, and that's in their own book. They admit that openly. Yeah, so the... so that, that's how simple it is. We are, we are run by super think tanks, all working for the Royal Institute for International Affairs in London, which job is to bring about a, a global system. Well, the CFR the... was created uh, at the same time the RIA by the that's British the also. Yeah, that's only the American branch. In oh, non-Commonwealth countries, they're, they're all called CFRs. Yeah. I see. They even have some local, like Chicago, uh, I believe, Foreign Relations uh, Council. Yes. And, and they have these, in largest cities in, in America, they have sub, uh, subgroups from the CFR out in New York. Yeah, and they also have uh, the other branch. See, all this goes back to the 1800s when... Uh, the, the elite of Britain is called the establishment. Those, those, the big aristocratic families that have always had power, they've looted the planet for centuries and centuries, and they have the histories of how to do it, how to control vast populations. Do you think um, the, the British East India Company was a mechanism to consolidate capital into their hands? Is, is that what There's they... no doubt. Uh, in fact, uh, you've got to understand that the British diplomatic corps uh, literally has incredible archives of histories and formulas of how to, over time, maybe over two, three, four, even five generations, take over whole continents. That's what they're trained in. These are archives. This is not available to the general public. Well, how far back does their system of, of, of world rule or world government go in their minds? Did they really start... In uh, organizing a concerted in a concerted effort in the 1700s, or was it like you said the 1800s? Basically, yeah, the 1500s was 1500s. the first open. It was the first open declaration because of the, the court of Queen Elizabeth I. It was the first openly Rosicrucian court. Uh, Francis Drake and uh, John Dee, uh, Francis Bacon, and all these guys were all members of the Rosicrucian Society, the, what we now call the Pre-Masonic uh, Club. And yeah. The, and they, uh, they, 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 John Dee and Francis Bacon came up with the idea of a term called the British Empire. hadn't been used before. And they said, we shall base this upon free trade. The idea being that since all laws revolve around trade and economics, that the countries that adopt it will therefore become like us. They'll adopt our system, and then we can control them from London. 
uh, and also the countries that adopted fully the idea of free trade would be given most favored nation status. This is in the 1500s, and we're hearing that term today because China was given it under the GATT Treaty. The, the Star Chamber, does that figure into this where it was outside the normal uh, juris, uh, jurisprudence system in England? Uh, is, yeah. is that sort of some of their brainchilds to, to, to create? It sounds like much of what we're talking about with this non-combatant uh, terrorists and so forth here. Yeah, it is, in fact. You see, in the British Empire, you have uh, different systems paralleling each other called government. We have this odd thing called monarchy. So every policeman, every postal worker swears allegiance to the queen. Anyone who takes a paycheck under the crown swears allegiance to the queen, not the country. Well, the prime minister... And, and then, you, is, and then is, you have the government, you see, yeah. and you, you have a private council that's unelected. It's called the privy council. And then you have the clowns that we see. <laughs> I see. Well, the prime minister of, of Great Britain has to meet with the queen weekly. Is that correct? Yeah, he Is there does. a briefing that's uh, required by, by, the, by the political system? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As I say, too, it's not just him. It's the, it's the Privy Council. And many uh, big, of, big moguls, financial moguls, belong to the Private Council or Privy Council, as it's called. Yeah. There was a, mes- a recent merger of the Rothschild interest of, of uh, France and, and U.K., what what was that about? Do you have any uh, insight into that or any information? It, it, it's just the it's just the, the, the amalgamation again, the further integration of the, the European Union, where all all the, the the big financial banks really come under one. They, they have been for centuries, to be honest with you. And the Rothschilds didn't walk into those countries and simply take over and get away with it. No one would get away with it if you robbed the monarchies of Europe, you'd be assassinated so quickly. Yes. They were brought in because they were the best bankers. They'd been trained from birth in Frankfurt for the job. So, so yeah, they were they were the, the, the monarchs of bankers, you know. The yeah. Olympians, are you familiar with that term? Is that oh, yeah, used to describe these people? Yeah, Prince Charles used that uh, once or twice himself, yeah. So they, they call themselves the Olympians, and... And it's an idea, uh, is it a godhead, that they think they're gods, godmen? Yeah, an old Mount Olympus of the Greeks, uh, uh, the profane, uh, the ordinary people were not allowed up the mountain. It means the illumined, enlightened ones, those who've moved up the mountain, same as Moses. It's like and the profane are the masses and the workers and the peasants, right? Those who have swallowed yeah. reality as it's been presented to them. Yeah, I see. Those yeah. are the profane that are not informed and illuminated and, and enlightened according to what a mystery school teaching. And Absolutely. I see. So, and you go so, back as far as Plato even. Plato wrote the Republic, which was like a blueprint for the agenda. Uh, he was a member of the aristocracy. He explained his own inner beliefs, which was reincarnation of a superior type into superior families always over and over again and it was a utopia for the elite where they'd eventually bring around a world government where they themselves would would, would uh, remain unaltered being perfect already but they would breed all the rest of the workers they called them the its in the republic you, you're not a human you're called an it an it and, so. and, uh, and, and you would be bred especially selected with a mate for, to be tall to pick apples short to, to be a minor uh, you'd be purpose-bred for your job, and that's the whole idea. This sounds world. like Brave New World. <laughs> it is Brave New World. It's never changed. <laughs> Alice Huxley's, yeah, Brave New World, right? Yeah, Huxley and H.G. Uh, uh, um, Wells and all the big players read Huxley's book, 
and uh, and they were all for it because they all belonged to the same think tanks. That's where the idea comes from. And the from. Royal Society was right there at the center of some of these ideas. The Royal Society was the first Freemasonic scientific society designed through secrecy and men who had sworn to secrecy to use science as the method to bring this all about, yeah. In other words, scientism became a new religion of these people or their own system of... It's a system of, of, of thought to rule through, right? It is a system to rule through, but they also used to couch it in the, in the earlier centuries by saying we shall conquer by using and, and understanding the laws of nature. That's, That's what they meant. We're going to be coming back. Uh, we've got to take a short break here, Alan. What? And we'll be back in just a few minutes. But thank you. Sure this enough. is getting interesting. We'll continue on the other side. Thank you, sir. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. This is your host, George Butler. And this morning, uh, Alan Watt is my distinguished guest. Welcome back, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, we, we really we feel it an honor to have you. Um, could you give us your website and, and your information about what you have on there? We'd like to hear a little bit more in detail about what you have on your website. Yeah, it's cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can also go into the European site, which is alanwattsentinel.eu, which has uh, transcripts you can download in, in various languages of Europe. And uh, on the site you'll find there's hundreds of talks I've given on the histories of all of this. And uh, some of it, in fact, is a technique in itself. As you're listening, you're, you're being deprogrammed uh, gradually out of this uh, very deep matrix. And uh, I have a few things for sale that I've written and recorded and so on. Yeah, what, what are those? What are those writings? Tell us about those books and the writings that you that you sell. Tell us about those. Yeah, the, the the books are written in a different method than usual. See, we're taught from birth that here's the information, learn it. It's all explained to you. We do no thinking. Years ago, centuries ago, they used to think as you read because you had to participate in the thoughts of the author. Today we're not. We're downloaded by the books. It's all simple little bits and bytes, little short sentences, and everything is spelled out for us. There's no thinking involved. I use the Gestalt theory where, where, you, where all the information that's scattered around in your subconscious uh, as, as, you, as you read through that participates, your subconscious will participate and it helps to deprogram you and suddenly you, you get it, you get that eureka moment uh, and things come together uh, for the first time. It's a, it's a way of shocking you out of the indoctrinations we've all had. That, that indoctrination, in my, in my sense, I, I write about the delusional aspect of our mode of existence. Does that, does that ring a bell with you? Oh, yes. I mean, it is a delusion. A delusion is a fixed false belief. That's the definition of it. And we've all been taught the, the, these fixed false definitions. And so you can get a whole country of people with the same education, the fixed false beliefs, and they think they're all sane because they bounce off their ideas of others and get the same replies. So if Joe over there thinks the same as I do, I must be sane. That's how we judge our sanity. So, it's, I mean, at one time, remember, uh, a, few, a few centuries ago, uh, you'd be an odd, oddball if you said the world was round. Because everyone else out there had been taught that had been flat. Yeah, and, and the victors write the history, right? They always do. <laughs> always. always do. And, uh, and then you're saying also those that are in control of, of, a, of a, a society, they write, they reorder that history and that with those teachings, to, like government schools, right? Would that be a way to... 
uh, in World War I, in the 1800s, they realized they had to form a nucleus of a world government. The enemy of this would be the peoples and the cultures from the old system that wouldn't want to join it. So they, they formed different uh, specialized segments uh, of, of bureaucracies to work on the peoples, departments of culture even. Why would you need a department of culture paid by your government if you, the people, were the culture? It was to update your culture. You know what I, what I say? We have enculturation, and then we have enculturation. Uh, yes, you it's, the same it's the same route. Yeah, you're yeah, right. See, see they, 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 they use culture to control you, but it's like they're creating a cult. It's your cult. <laughs> a cult of belief, yeah. Yeah, and you also have, uh, the culture is to grow, you see. You, you, uh, you put a, 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 in a Petri dish, you put in the bacterium, the Petri dish, and you watch it grow. That's called a culture. And, and your culture is growing. You don't realize that. It's not growing by itself. It's directed and now, for instance, we have the, 50 years after the fact or the foundation of it, we have the exposure, declassifying information coming out from governments, letting us know now that all the riots, all the left-wing movements we saw during the 60s, 70s, and 80s that everyone was, was getting angry about were funded and paid for by a Department of Culture within the CIA itself in cahoots with MI6 in England. That's now public knowledge, just just been released. One, one, of the, one of the aspects of fact that I ran across, and, and I sort of want to ask you this question. Uh, you know the LSD, the MKUltra and all that stuff? Yeah. You know, that went on those those uh, uh, pro uh, programs and so forth. Uh, it, it seemed to think, in my way of my, in reading some of the facts and getting a little research done, that, that those, those kind of uh, hallucinogenic drugs create in the person a mystical type orientation Oh, sure. and, and also a uh, em empathetic uh, personality yeah. type. Does that does that meet some of your studies? Does that agree? Yeah, and in fact, in the 1920s, they were racing. They're putting a lot of our tax monies into uh, again scientific research along certain lines. Now, all scientific research lives on grants, and so whatever they're moving towards is heavily funded, which means it's a mandate that they find out how to do it. That was the same for the birth control pill, genetic uh, engineering. And, and back then, it was to find ways of using drugs. And they looked at India a big time because the Brahmins had ruled India for thousands of years. And they, they, the people, a lot of the people took drugs. There was opium, there was hashish and so on, which kept them in a, a semi-fugue state, not quite conscious, not quite unconscious. But, and they could work, but they could never figure things out or even care to figure things out and change their lives. So they tried to find ways. That they, they tried opium in the, in the British and European populations in the 1800s. They put it in every kind of mixture, cough mixture, everything. You could buy it freely. But it didn't take with the people. They still had the, the bars and the beer, and they preferred that. So they had to go and get synthetic drugs and find a way to promote it. So in the 1920s, they hoped to bring in world government right after the League of Nations was formed. And they, they targeted the youth. They brought out the miniskirt that was called the Charlton era. And they gave the Charlton dance. And they brought out uh, free sex for the first time. They made prohibition a, a, a sexy, daring thing because you went into the, to the, the covert bars and with all the youth and you heard this new music called jazz, something that was created in the, in the, the, the early Soviet Union along with the CIA, well, it was the precursor in the MI6 in, in Britain. And they gave this to the youth, but the side effect was 
unwanted pregnancies they were not geared for it and that's when they opened up the big boys towns and so on to, to cope with the overdose and they also had massive venereal disease so they went back to the drawing board they, they tried to bring in coke coke came in as well along with the booze the covert booze and even the kennedys were involved in the running of that along with the bronfman's all the all the the very respectable families that are now sitting in senates and so on uh, these guys made their, their money and in, in, uh, running booze and cocaine in the 1920s. And so uh, it didn't go so well, so they revamped it, they went back to the drawing board, they put all their money into finding ways to stop women conceiving, and they, they, they put money into antibiotic research, and then they came out with the same thing again, they called it pop music, back with the miniskirt, free sex, and so on, and, and you had the, the, the penicillins, to deal with uh, most, not all, most at that time of the venereal disease problem. Are they so, creating addictive, compulsive personality types that are addicted oh, to yeah. many of uh, a slew of differing uh, drugs and, and ideas and permissivism, right? Too. Yes, and you find uh, you know when they brought out LSD, LSD was not made by little guys in laboratories and their cellars. Uh, these were made by the big pharmaceutical companies. And uh, it's an interesting book called The Fifth Man. It was to do um, with uh, the, the, the so-called defectors from MI5 and 6 that went off to Russia. These were all members of aristocratic families uh, who worked for the British security agencies. And um, in that book, The Fifth Man, uh, they mentioned the fact that um, uh, Lord Rothschild uh, is also in Spycatcher by Peter Wright, who worked for MI5 and 6, um, they mentioned that Lord Rothschild, Victor Rothschild, was also a scientist. He was a chemist and physicist. And he eventually became in charge of the British security systems, all of them. And he was one of the first guys to experiment in Port and Down's military laboratory on the troops and on agents themselves with LSD, with the prospect of possibly using it on, on vast amounts of the population. You know, so this is all tested long before the public ever heard of it. Yeah, porting down a good portion of that has been privatized into private hands, I understand. Well, that's the new feudal system. You see, all they're doing really is thumbing your noses and say, yeah, you, you paid for it all, but it's really ours, always was. Right, we're going to be back in a second. Would you like to take some calls after we come back? After we return? Sure. Okay, yeah. the toll-free number is 888-202-1984. Again, that's 888-202-1984. If you have unlimited long distance, it's... 512-646-1984. Online and on demand, this is We the People Radio Network. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm your host, George Butler. We have a distinguished guest this morning, Alan Watt. Welcome back, Alan. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Um, you really have have dealt and, and, and really delved into this over the years. And and really, you have the detail that, that I've never talked, spoken to anyone with the, quite the detail. And, and actually, you have a... Is it like you stand on the moon and look back at the earth and say, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have, a, you have an overall view. Um, this 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 system of thought, these systems of thinking and 
and and and controlling. Okay, um, where where are we at today? Is this war on terrorism? Is that a real war? Is that part of the mechanisms? It's a traditional method. It's a war of terror. It's used down through history on vast populations when the elite have to make rapid changes towards a predetermined goal, and they want the people cowed and and afraid. And when you're terribly afraid, most of them simply go through, do whatever they're told. They don't do much thinking because they're too confused. They go along, they keep their heads down to obey. And, and that's when you use brute force on the public. It's been used even from the days of Rome on, on the general population at times. I see. We've got open phones now, so anyone out there in the listening audience, so feel free to call in. If you have an unlimited long-distance phone line, then you can call us at, at area code 512 646 one nine eight four. Again, you can call in if you have unlimited long distance five one two six four six one nine eight four. If you don't, we call us toll free at eight 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 two zero two one nine eight four. Again, that would be toll free number is eight 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 two zero two one nine eight four. You you um so, so this war on terrorism, I mean, it, it's, it's being, it's manipulating, uh, it, was it a trauma, trauma-based programming that occurred coming out of that tragedy that, that people experienced? Would you call it a trauma that, do they visit the trauma on a deep level and then they can sort of control people through that, that yeah, psyche, and, that and, deep? And, in fact, uh, they, they, that's why the, the big MK Ultra experiments were really far. It was to see if they could, through repetition, rapid repetition, of a horror situation um, influenced the public into a state of shock and uh, that's why they started using race car smashes and showing you on the news over and over and over and over again that's called psychic driving and they did the same thing with the Twin Towers and as soon as it happened every television station on the planet went into action with the same footage showing you over and over and over and that was, that was to put you into a state of shock so you're off balance your rationale goes out the window, your questioning goes out the window, and when they give you their version of it and start rushing you off to war against whoever they're ready to, to point the finger at, we go along automatically. You're in a state of shock and, and uh, psychic driving that, that does that. So the new American, the, the project for a new American century that has the members who are now in uh, the government of the U.S., they published their agenda in the 1990s, don't forget, and they, they published that they'd have to take over first Afghanistan, followed by Iraq, then Iran, then Syria. And uh, and they published that twice. They, they, re, they rewrote it in 98 and published it again under Wolfowitz. And then, but they said they needed something on a Pearl Harbor scale event to motivate the public to get public support behind them. And lo and behold, they win the jackpot in 2001. Uh, what a coincidence. That, this this trauma that happens, uh, you know, when that is occurring and they're seeing this in the American public and other people throughout the world, is it the most vivid after, soon after? I mean, the effect is the greatest right after. And then does it diminish in time because of memory or what? Does, is there an energy relationship it, it, in the it, mind it, it, there? It creates a form of engram, an imprinting in the mind. And so everyone, when you mention 9-11, will automatically see in their mind that plane going in, plane going in, plane going in, plane going in, repetition. It's an engram, it's a, an imprint that's fixed. Yes. Um, uh, would, would the Manchurian candidate type of uh, uh, techniques be similar to that, where they'll take someone and program them to do some act that they normally wouldn't do? 
Yes. Is that a similar... And, again, and repetition even there is so vitally important until you have automatic obeyance, but more correctly, you have automatic... Um, uh, the imprint will, will replay itself in your mind. It will, it will click in just like a computer program, and up comes that vivid scene and all the memories that associated with it, the death, tragedy, the, the crying people, relatives... Uh, that's that's all part of the vision that's been imprinted in your mind. Yeah. So so it, it's a in very insidious, very evil system. Uh, oh, you better believe I mean, it. When, uh, I mean, is there is there evil is not a word really a good enough word to describe some some what's going it on? It isn't. I've I've looked at you know the English language now has been so minimalized. It's called linguistic minimalization. As have taken words and out of the dictionary over the last couple of centuries. We don't have the terms to describe the horror anymore. You know, you, you've delved in, into the word, the etymology and so forth. How about uh, neuro-linguistic programming? Have you looked at that as, uh, in any detail? And what, what, are, oh, what, yeah. are you, what are your views on that? Tell us. Well, again, it's to do with the neurons, uh, the nervous uh, system. And, and, of course, linguistics, the, the language that you use, the, 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 the vocabulary that you're given. We work like a computer. They know this, and they knew this thousands of years ago. We work uh, in a certain fashion. We have a language which is given to us. And a good programmer, if you give him a problem for a computer that he's programmed, he knows the language of the computer. He knows the logic of the computer. He knows that the, he will know what answer the computer must give if you give him a question because he understands that through your logic, your particular condition logic, you will use the language that you're given and come to an automatic answer that you must come to. And so it's a science. We come to predetermined answers by the way that information is formatted to us by using the logic that we have. And, uh, and it's a perfect science. It's been used for, for many, many centuries. Could you describe it as a scientific dictatorship that has been created and is ongoing? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it isn't, wasn't just um, Aldo Huxley that talked about the scientific dictatorship. Again, you can go back to uh, the old alchemists. They used alchemy for the same thing, uh, for science. Uh, they talked about an alchemic uh, uh, dictatorship then. And again, back to the ancient Greece, when the aristocracy wrote their books, and different factions of them, like the one that Plato belonged to, uh, talked about uh, those who were in super intelligent, who could understand the, the workings of nature, will, will eventually be rulers of the world by keeping the secrets secret and, and from the public. And that's what we have today. All, all science that we are given today, and, and it's available on the stores or what we're told is new, is in fact obsolete to those at the top. Do it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is the emotional state of our human nature a real problem? Uh, yes, it is, because it's so well understood. We're, we are the most studied species on the planet. So, so they use that knowledge against us, uh, manipulating us emotionally. Have the American public and the world uh, peoples in general become more childlike? Is this? Do they want a yes. child-type person, childlike, yep. that they can manipulate yes, through definitely. emotional appeals? Is that what they've created here? Yeah, in, in the 1800s, you remember people in the 1800s and into the early 1900s, they had 12 to 16-hour work days. And, and global meetings were held in the 1800s by the wealthy elite and the upper, the very high middle classes that helped them and the bureaucracies who were worried that if they took down uh, the working hours for the average person, 
then the people would, would get up to mischief. They'd start communicating, talking and complaining, and maybe do something. Okay, Alan, we've got a couple of callers on the line. Uh, Audrey uh, from Ohio, what is your what is your uh, question for Alan Watt? Oh, Alan, I'm so pleased to be able to speak with you. And in reference to something you'd mentioned about culture, I, um, I had a grandmother from Scotland, and it sounds to me, and I, I believe I've researched you a bit, that may be where you're from. I, I just wonder if you hadn't noticed that certain people have a sort of a predisposition to see tyranny uh, in the making, to kind of see it beforehand. I, I come from Appalachian and Southern people and Scottish people, and I'm always finding myself here in Ohio where people are much more, shall we say, conditioned. Uh, they'll find my observations so very odd. <laughs> yes. But I'll sort of see it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it yeah. is true. Uh, it's true that certain peoples have more of an ability to, to, to break through. Mm. Um, and, and, and the Celtic peoples definitely have, uh, have more of that. Uh, you'll find yeah. more writers and so on that... that uh, that have the ability down through the centuries to not only retain memory but but also put things together. Um, and plus two, those countries you've got to remember the Celtic countries when you were when the Indians were being herded off into reservations here. People in in, in Scotland, it was the last white country in, in, in the world where people lived in clans. They still lived in tribes in the north. Yeah. So they had histories which were oral and were passed down. Yeah. yeah. So true. Oh. Thank you so much. Really enjoying your program. Audrey, thank you for calling. We're going to take a break here, and thank you so much for your call. Call us again. Thank you, Audrey. Uh, Alan, we're going to break in a second. We'll be right back. We have another caller on the line. We'll pick that up. Yep. Great host. Great topics. Brief speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm your host. Uh, we have a distinguished guest, Alan Watt. Welcome back, Alan. It's a pleasure. We've got a couple of callers on the line. One is from Canada and one from uh, South Carolina. Um, David from Canada, what is your question for, for Alan Watt? Uh, thank you for taking my call, Alan. Um, I, my eyes were just open a few years ago in reference to some of these matters and you certainly have the best historical perspective I've heard from anyone. I have a quest- question in reference to religion in the Bible. Um, my understanding of scriptures of the Old Testament is that the archaeological evidence points to the fact that these uh, scriptures were written, you know, thousands of years ago. Um, now, the Crusades, the Knights of the Crusades birthed Knights of St. John's and Rosicrucians who became Masons and apparently according to you the Masons were the ones who either wrote the Bible or used the Bible to make us a a man-made religion such as Christianity and they also made other ancient religions. My question is if the scriptures are so old or are they that old and how did they use these to create for us a Christian religion? It wasn't what we call Masons who wrote the Bible, although they did do the Geneva Bible, and they wrote that uh, in Geneva. Uh, that was the first Bible 
brought out with footnotes explaining deeper interpretations, uh, whereas the King James that followed it was put out again for political purposes, because all Bibles are put out for political purposes and changes. The King James uh, told the team of, of uh, writers and interpreters to make sure that they emphasized obedience to the king who was put there by God. So every, every version has been done, done it that way. Now, Rome, ancient Rome, it's, we must remember, ancient Rome was already an empire. It was an empire that allowed all religions uh, inside that empire. It became the universal church as it took all of the old religions into the church structure under a new form, a guise under the one. And it didn't let go of its old bureaucratic and legal system. It brought it in with it. So from the very beginning, you had the problem of a, a new religion uh, coupled with legalism from the very foundation coming from an old empire uh, system. And and it, it, the initial writings, remember, were written in um, the, 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 the Latin for, for Catholicism which was used right up until fairly recently. And it wasn't until about the 1600s, 1700s, and actually later the Catholics could even get a version of the Bible because only the priest was allowed to read it to them. They were not allowed to read their own Bible. And so all the dogma that came along with uh, Catholicism was taught, and it's nowhere to be found in the actual writings in the Bible itself. So, so Freemasonry, and Albert Pike stressed this, he says, we could just as easily have used Nimrod as the founder of our religion. They could have picked uh, Brahma as the founder of our religion. But because it was a Western country that was already religionized under Christianity and various forms of Christianity, they chose to use the, 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 the Old Testament primarily as the foundations of their system because all the newcomers into Freemasonry had had some indoctrination into it. And sure enough, you find in that Old Testament... Uh, that the, the the key of um, uh, Solomon uh, being uh, bringing in Hiram Hiram very important name okay uh, well Hiram, thank Aram, yeah. Aries yeah thank you for your yeah thank you for your call David uh, we've got another caller from South Carolina uh, William uh, South Carolina what is your question for Alan One Yes, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, George and Alan Watt. Uh, Alan knows of me, and I've spoken to him several times before. It's more of a statement more than it is a question, actually. I've been following the teachings of Alan since uh, 1998, and I, I became fully awakened to, a, to the scam that's been pulled on the world and, and itself, and the United States especially, and uh, came to a full awakening about two years ago. And I just wanted to uh, praise him for his hard efforts and the work and, and that he does, and it is a big help to a lot of people. And I just wanted to mention that the, the programming and condition is so powerful that I have spent the last two years in a, a small rural area that I live in in South Carolina trying to awaken people to the truth, but they're so far removed from it, they just can't accept it at all. I have found not one single human being in this part of the country that will even take the chance to study to realize that they've been lied to their entire lives to understand the situation that we're in. Yeah. And uh, I lost a best friend of mine that I've had all my entire life and, and, and tried to spend 18 months trying to share this information with him and get him to, to no avail at all. So uh, I'm at the point now where it's just... Uh, 
anybody to ask a question, you try to answer it the best you can. But we are in a sad state of affairs that America has soon to waken up before it is actually uh, just altogether too late. So I'll, I'll yeah. hang on and let y'all go ahead with the show. And I just want to praise Alan for the hard work that he does. I'm glad to see him getting more uh, chances on the uh, Internet radio with programs with George Butler like y'all. And the question and answering sessions, I think, are the best for everybody, I think. Well, we're so trying to get to the truth. Day. Yeah, we're trying to get to the truth, William, and it's hard to do sometimes in this world. But oh, we, yes, it is. We certainly appreciate your contribution to the program, and thank you for calling. Well, you gentlemen have a good day, and thank you very much. Thank you, William. Thank you. Thanks well, Alan, uh, that man there has been following you for a while, so uh, you've got you've got a, a following out there. Is that right? How long have you been working on radio and things like that? Broadcasting? Uh, almost 10 years now. So people, there's more than one one William out there, I'm sure, and and he's running up to the same problem. I guess you run up and mm-hmm. run into the it's 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 so insidiously deeply what ingrained in people that this, this, uh, is, this is what uh, you see. This is what these they, they came out with in London a long time ago. Now Lord Bertrand Russell was the the premier promoter and experimenter with schools, specialized schools, to try and indoctrinate children, and he said in, in a book called. Uh, education and the good life is a must-get for people. Uh, he said that under a scientific indoctrination of education, he said if we can get a child around the age of two in kindergarten, he said uh, it will be, be impossible for the, parent, the parents to put parental input and pass on their culture to that child. They will be ignored by the child. And now you have a national educational system, which is also part of the international educational system, because they want a standardized world where everyone has had the same brainwashing. Wasn't it the Prussians that marched uh, at the end of a bayonet, their field hands to schools in, in the Prussian system? Yes, uh, but not only that. I mean, the other countries did it too. Um, I mean, I so it's forced education. So forced education, forced programming, right? Forced by law and... Yeah. Uh, and I, I, uh, I almost went to young offenders when I stopped going to school at one point, and I told them I was learning nothing. It was all nonsense that I was learning. And I had arguments with them until I went into the, to the library and found out that Scotland hadn't actually ratified that. They just copied the English system, and I got away with it. So they just bumped me up years ahead of where I should be until I was started to get better education. But, but yeah, they, they make it mandatory worldwide to have the same indoctrination. And now they're doing the same with the Internet under this... Uh, this they always find a job for the boys. So, so Al Gore and different people said that they believe no child left behind. Every child must get a computer so that they can get the same indoctrination. Well, no child left unprogrammed, huh? <laughs> that's it. That's exactly is that, what is it that is. A good, is that a good motto? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that's it what is. That's what they ought to be saying, right? <laughs> Yes, it is. No child and, left and unprogrammed. Before that, uh, before that, Britain mandated that everyone in Britain would have a television set before 1960, and they brought in thousands and millions of uh, used sets under the DER company, which is red backwards. Britain loves red. Is there a Britain receiver said, set over there in in UK uh, where you pay a tax every year to have a receiver, a television? Yes, the, the, the British Broadcasting Corporation is owned by the government. It's actually owned by those who own the government, the establishment. Uh, and, and in fact, all of the BBC, I don't know if it's changed, but it used to only take people from Eton to keep it in the, the upper classes. Every person who worked in the BBC radio and television had to come from Eton because they did not trust the villains, as they called so, them. So, so Eden had a programming of world uh, systems and worldviews that was 
was educated into those people, and then they could Absolutely. go out and broad, rebroadcast the same. It's like a rebroadcast, right? Yes, and now, yeah. now they're sending people to over to China, and they run the Chinese international broadcasting system as an exact clone of the BBC. Gosh. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it's minds, and I, I, I describe a stream of light as an idea. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I, 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 I speak in terms of, of like Kurt Lewin talked about the field theory. Yes. And, and so I learned a great deal from him. Of course, he pro, he, you know, he, he, he made the thing happen over here in, uh, well, the Tavistock in, in America eventually. And they took mm-hmm. his ideas and, and, uh, extrapolated those even into a furtherly, uh, insidiously entangling system. Yes. But, uh, it's it, so it's a light that surrounds us that inundates us. And, and those, that light, what conveys information into us, like a computer, right? Absolutely. And, and then we sit here and we just take it in, but we don't, we're not discerning enough because we're conditioned, uh, our previous, what predis, uh, predisposed programming or education system can, is, a uh, is a bane. Yep. It's a Yeah, but, uh, we're going to, uh, come back, uh, after the top of the hour and, uh, we'll give out those numbers again. If you want to call and ask a question, it's 888-TOLL-FREE-202-1984. Or if you have an unlimited long-distance line, call us at 512-646-1984. Again, that's toll-free at 888-202-1984 or at 512-646-1984. Thank you, Alan, and we'll, we'll pick you up after the top of the hour. But it's getting better. Hang in there, listeners. We're going to get better and deeper into this. Thank you, Alan. Sure. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. Our guest this morning is Alan Watt. Welcome back, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I, I did not catch on to this world system like it is as early an age as you did. So I had to, I was programmed there, you know, the, all the first 20 something years of my life. And I, I found it very difficult to, to come out. I, I call it coming out of the delusional mode. And so, what what advice could you give to people like myself that have been conditioned the first twenty or thirty years of their life that that they can start well listening to people like you is one one advice a uh, piece of advice right but what other uh, solutions could that would would they have to try to start coming out of that delusional state? It's a it's a complete life change in a sense because you you, you look at those around you differently you realize they are still in the matrix they're still living in their conditioning. Um, they're going through human emotions, uh, human actions, uh, and then you'll start to see they're almost robotic. You'll hear them use little catchphrases that are programmed into them by the media and so on. Their topics all come from the media, where there's no thinking to be done. It's all been done for you. Uh, that's what Zygmunt Brzezinski said in his own book. Um, uh, it was called Between Two Ages. He says, shortly the public will be unable to think for themselves because they're using scientific technique. And he said, he said they'll only be able to repeat that which they've been downloaded with on the previous night's news. And anywhere you go, that's all you're, you'll hear. It's almost what we would term neutral, polite conversation. 
I see. And, and it's all fake because even the weather is fake. And oh. yet they'll, they'll, they'll repeat that. They don't even see the trails above their head as they're being sprayed every day. I know. Hey, we've got Dwayne from Arkansas. Uh, Dwayne from Arkansas, what's your question for Alan Watt this morning? Well, yes, first I'd like to plug his website, Cutting Through the Matrix. Uh, very good website. My question is, is, Alan, how much of this do you put on the Travistock Institute as far as our programming? Yeah, well, the Tavistock was, was set up as only one of many institutes. These guys uh, cover every aspect of, of, of human behavior, psychology, culture, and so on. And every country has got its own version of the Tavistock. But the Tavistock was the premier in, in Britain to, to start using all sciences and psychology, especially mass psychology uh, and whole culture creation techniques. Uh, and they they also have a think tank attached to them uh, of a high scientific boffins, as they call themselves. Uh, they were already experimenting with putting wires in people's brains in the 1930s and trying to make them behave like robots because that's where Aldo Huxley worked. Aldo Huxley got his idea from Brave New World from the Tavistock Institute. He thought it was great if we could just control all human behavior, but not the elite themselves, like Charles Galton, Darwin said, who also belonged to the Tavistock in the 1950s. In his book, The Next Million Years, he says, we, the elite, will not alter ourselves physically, but we'll alter the brain mechanisms, etc., of the general public, and the hormonal levels will be under attack in the general public. That's why you have all these problems today. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. So the, the Committee of 300 is pretty much what's behind all of what's hitting us today? Mm, the Committee of 300 is only one faction. Uh, these guys, again, if you go back into history, you'll find they always set up committees, uh, sometimes 50, uh, 100. The G8, by the way, is a committee, an authorized committee. Um, Lord Bertrand Russell led the Committee of 100, and that their job was to be the radical extremists that would attack uh, the American uh, air bases in foreign countries and Britain um, to get it all publicized. The whole idea was to get publicity, to make us all think we're going to get bombed and nuked at any minute, give up all our rights and and do what we're told. The same technique, in a sense, that they're using today with this war of terror. (laughs) Yeah, gosh. Uh Unreal. It's awful scary. Mm -hmm, It's true. Well, it it is scary, but but, but it is is the truth. And, And Alan believes that, and I do too. And it, it, to, to get to that point, though, how did you get to the point where you started awakening to, to some of these truths that we're talking about? How, did, how was your, your travels uh, to that point, to that, that position of truth? How, what, how did you get there, Dwayne? I got tired. Uh, I turned off my TV the day our local news channel, uh, their lead story was had something to do with Anna Nicole's baby, so I turned my television off. I sat down at my computer, and I didn't know really where I was heading. But as it turns out, what I was seeking was the truth. Well, that's that's great. I remember one time there was a there was a a, a serial uh, television serial where there was a uh, a character on the uh, in the serial that was having a baby out of wedlock, and I think someone criticized that that was a real person, and so the public criticized the real person criticizing the out of wedlock child. <laughs> it was it's like fiction. Uh, is that what you see out there, sort of fictionalized things, Alan? Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. We're, give, we're given uh, a technique that they use is to show you in, in little bits and bites. That's the whole thing. All our information comes in bits and bites, little flash, flashes we get. 
and see, we get a horror in, in Iran or somewhere, or, or, or say Iraq, where the, the Air Force mistakenly bombs a wedding party and kills them all, and then it flashes to some bit of trivia of some Hollywood starlet and her affair. I mean, I mean this is a creation of a, a psychological simulation of an LSD trip. It makes everything unreal. It blends in the horror with the fun, the fantasy, the bizarre, until you, logically you switch off. You're being uh, scattered. You're being put into a sort of fugue state. Sort of a feeling state, a feeling state into a delusional fantasy, yes. unfictional state that can be and, manipulated and by. When, yeah, when they eventually start using these techniques on your neighbors and grabbing them out of their homes like the KGB did in the middle of the night. Uh, it'll all be unreal to you. You'll switch off your mind and turn on the telly and watch some comedy. Uh, this is all the technique of depersonalization. Well, they got some, are you, uh, like a person's, uh, you know, living next door. Well, they got some of those anti-government nuts. You know, be, no, that's great. They took them away. Get rid of them, right? I mean, that could yeah, be most like... Folk will, most yeah. folk actually, like yeah. Russia, thought, well, they must have done something wrong. Yeah, yeah, right. See, like the authority is right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have any other question? Uh, no, but I would like to say this. Once I did get away from the television and got into on the computer and started searching out, it was like my brain turned on for the first time in my whole life, and I just could not absorb more any. Uh, I needed more more input. Well, like you know, Dwayne, it's it's like these ideas that are false and lies that are used to control. It. It's like having a disease in the head. You know what I mean? I do, I definitely do, George. Sure. Well, thank you very much, Dwayne, for your call. We got another caller online. Thank you very much. We appreciate your call. Call Thank us back you. again. Thank you, Dwayne. Yes, We've got Jerry from Oklahoma. Jerry, what what question do you have for Alan Watt? Good afternoon. I, I, I'm loving this. Uh, I'm a tractor trailer driver. I'm right now on the Oklahoma Turnpike, and I listen to you with my air cars, my laptop. Um, and I, you know, I say your station is wonderful. You're great. Um, here's my question. I am a Sabbath keeper, and I believe in the Old Testament extensively. Can he tell me if he thinks that the Old Testament was written earlier than what we what we all believe it is? Hello? Yeah, Alan, yeah. did you get the question? He's talking about the Old Testament. Was it written uh, at an earlier date than they're portraying it at today to us? No, here's the thing. Uh, the Old Testament is a compilation of rules for those who are wise enough to understand the system and use it. Uh, all the big boys understand the rules are in that Old Testament. Now, remember that in the days of Jesus, supposedly we're told, uh, the only version they had in, in, in the, the Jerusalem was written in Greek. Now, why would why wouldn't they have their own version in Hebrew? Right. And then, then you find out, or oh, supposedly it was written two, three hundred years before that, when they were in captivity in Babylon, and it was written by uh, 72, it's always 72, you know, multiples of 12s and so on, uh, priests who lived in Egypt. And, and so, so here's a bunch of priests in Egypt writing their first uh, Hebrew Bible written in Greek, and it wasn't until much later that they got that version written in Hebrew. I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. Well, what are, the so are, you saying they, are you saying they were Egyptian priests or they were uh, Israelites? It, it was a compilation of the ancient, ancient brotherhoods that had run the world for thousands of years, uh, e even from Babylon's days and before. These tech, We're far, far older than they're telling us. 
uh, with civilizations, and now they've dug up the Hurrians, who, pre, who lived uh, and ran the trade routes before the Sumerians in 5000, 7000 BC. So, so this saying, technique uh-huh, is much older. Yeah. yeah, so what you're saying is the Thora or the laws, commandments, were not given by the Creator, but by men. You'll find those same laws were taken from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which was actually called the, the Book of the Life. <laughs> There's the same laws in, from there, yeah. Well, Jerry, thank uh, you. It was very interesting. Can I give a suggestion, Joyce, for yeah. a show? What is that, Jerry? Uh, the Mexican government, at the uh, Can-Am-Mex Highway, they have finally just approved this week. The yes. Congress, yes. The drivers can come up, the Mexican truck, truckers can come up here. And they did it while, you know, most of Congress was out, and just like they did with the Federal Reserve. Yeah, this I've been fighting be uh, NAFTA uh, with the uh, AFL-CIO before they even enacted it, so I understand yeah. the, the issues, and I'm, I'm against that. Yeah, it's I understand be, it. But they approved it. They're supposed to come up yesterday was the day they let them come in. Yeah, I saw What's that today? in the news. I'm sorry. No, yesterday. It was September 1st. I got and you. And that's a real smack in the face for, you know, our Labor Day weekend. I understand. You know? I understand. So it's something I think you should look into about having. We'll do it, All Jerry. Right. Thank you very much for your call, and call us back again sometime. We appreciate sure. your Thank call. You, you bet you. Uh, th- there's a lot of issues out there in, in America today. People are really upset about Alan. I know, and uh, even past me up here in Canada, they're, they've been working night and day, seven days a week, winter and summer. Incredible, with a lot of snow, uh, building this super highway that's going all the way up to Sudbury, right down through Chicago. And just coincidentally, here's how the world is planned way in advance. The highway is called Highway 69, and it just happens to eventually be joined up with the Highway 69 that was sitting in the States for the last couple of years. Oh, my God. Hey, perfect, perfect numbering. Oh, <laughs> well, you know that wasn't planned, Alan. Oh, no, no. No, they wouldn't plan that for Yeah. I mean, these people are world sorcery type, type people. They, they, they're, they're geniuses at planning and using and manipulating people from what I can tell in my yeah. studies. Another thing people should check into is look into uh, books on the border between Canada and the U.S. And look at the photographs, uh, not, not on the main roads, but, but off the roads. And you'll see the, the, the Masonic obelisks are spaced every few hundred yards along that border because that was a Masonic deal. And the man who was sent over from Britain after 1812 to finalize the border was, was a, a Rothschild. He was My sent gosh. over to do it. Yeah. Uh, our toll-free number again, uh, we're, our lines are open for Alan Watt, uh, 1-888-202-1984. Uh, again, that's 888-202-1984. Or you can call us if you have an unlimited long-distance uh, phone, call us at area code 512-646-1984. Again, if you have an unlimited landline or whatever, 512-646-1984. So, uh, yeah, give us a call if you have a question for Alan Watt. This, this plan, uh, some people have characterized it as the plan. Do, do you ever use that, that terminology at all? Or? I use the plan and the agenda. There's only one agenda. These are the guys who build nations, give you borders, and then take them down when they've worked on you and sucked you dry enough. I got you. And they're they're like they're like pirates, and they rage you, and they, they are they, pirates. And they, they steal. Pirates. They're pirates. Is that a good good description well, of some nice of these templars, people? The nice templars who were raised uh, from the coffin, and you were born again. That's what it means. That's why George Bush Senior 
And George Bush said, that if you ask if, if I was born again, when he was asked if he was a Christian, he says, well, if I was born again, yes, I am. He meant he had been, because at Yale University, they come out the coffin. Other lodges used the, the pirate flag, the Jolly Roger, as the rod of war from the French, the guerre, the war, uh, Roger. And uh, that was the Knights Templars flag. The Knights Templars were the first international bankers who substituted uh, paper for, for coin. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. In other words, that fiat currency goes way back, doesn't it? Oh, it's a coin game uh, down through the ages. And even before them, uh, the ancient bankers could give you notes as well yeah, that I, you could I, redeem at the other end. I see the monopoly of that money creation. Uh, here's what the way I sort of lay it out a little bit is that we have an occult system that, that operates from the top and using world sorcery, and they control the money creation system. So in, in, in controlling people's minds through the occult and the mystery schools, then they control your pocketbook. So they sort of got it locked in like that. What do you think about that assertion? Well, there's no doubt. Uh, the whole system has run on money in all of, all of its forms. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, whoever runs the money is the third party. They come between two people who are doing barter. He's a sack of wheat for a sack of oats. The third party then, once it gets you to accept this money as a substitute, then will decide on its purchasing power as time goes on until it's worth nothing. And you are then owned by him. And along with that comes taxation. Along with that comes standing armies which they can employ. You can't keep an army together to go off and plunder anybody if they don't get paid. They go home eventually. Yeah, one, so, one person once said they use armies to collect the dead. Does that sound right? Well, yeah, war is an extension of diplomacy, as they say, because all business is war. And that's all it is. All business, even between two small shop owners competing, is a form of warfare. And unless we get over this, this struggling that we have, we're all doomed. The elite know, and they knew they would bring us to the stage we're at today where the system is dysfunctional. They made it so. They destroyed the old system, which was enforced by them, too, and that was even marriage and so on. And, you know, that was a fact. Marriage was enforced, that the wife had no right, she had no property, and she couldn't leave the husband. And that was enforced by the church for one and a half thousand, almost 1,800 years. Yeah, and, and now that that system has served its purpose, okay. we're, we're post-industrial, post all the rest of it, post-agricultural, they then decided to reverse it and destroy marriage because now it becomes a problem because if families stick together, then the government can't come right down and dictate to you face-to-face. -face. You've got a family around you, a small tribe, and they said a 100 years ago they'd have to destroy the family because it's the last vestige well, of the, the tribe. The Scots had strong families, didn't they? They had very loving and strong families, and the English didn't yeah. like that. Is that one of the problems with the English head with the Scots? It was London. It was London. They said they'd have to destroy the Scottish culture completely. Okay. Tried. Yep. We're going to be coming back after our break. Uh, thank you very much. And, and uh, thank. hold out there. Hold on, listeners. We're going to get into this deeper. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm your host, George Butler, and our guest today is a fine person. He's really searching for truth, and he's getting as close to, to that as anyone. Alan Watt, welcome back to our program. Happy to be here. What uh, In our final segment here, what, what can some concluding ideas can you put together for our listening audience? What, what advice and, and your own little insights, your, some of your final statements you want to make today in this final segment? You have to realize that you can't wake everybody up. It's never happened in history, in fact. 
it's all, history has been altered, of course, once in a while by a few people who are able to spot those who are trying to wake up and feed them gradually. That's the key to it, gradual information. You're dealing with someone in the old world, the old mentality, the complete conditioning system. And here you are, like an alien from outer space, telling them stuff they've never heard before. So you've got to feed it to them in small doses. Let them do the asking. Don't go overboard with it. Try and stick on one topic at a time. Because they know at the top, and here's the problem with psychological warfare. At Tavistock, they said it's not important who gives the terror and fear and psychological warfare to the public. If it's the mainstream media or people who come against the mainstream media as opposition, as long as the public gets the, the terror news and all the fear, it psychologically breaks them down and they, they become immobilized with it all. The average person can only handle two, ultimately, and some four main problems or crises at one time, or they'll break down. So you've got to just take particular topics, know how to put it across, don't go overboard, let them come back to you with another topic instead of unloading all that you've found out onto them at once. You'll freak them out and they'll close down. Do so you think? Do, of it. Yeah, do you think, though, that uh, from my readings and my studies, they rely upon, these people that are programming us rely on our own imagination to yeah. cement and bond those and acceptance of those overall ideas they're using to control us. Does that... Does that yes. meet with your, some of your views? Absolutely. They understand how the average person thinks. As I say, we're the most studied species on the planet. They know our logic. They know what information that they're making sure that we get from mainstream uh, every day. Um, and, and so they know how to manipulate the minds of us. We've got to reclaim our mind. It's yours. That's your, that's your only real sovereign right is your own mind. The person who, who takes your mind is the ultimate rapist. And that's what a therapist is. It's called the rapist, you see. They give us therapists to substitute for our own logic. So so everyone has an alternative motive. Uh, actually, we all have selfish interests we, we're promoting, whether we're fully conscious and you know, are, of it or not. So, uh, most, so most, it, people, uh, most people never get fully conscious. What they try to do is, is to, to try and hold on to some part of the old system and I keep telling them what part of the Babylonian Tower that's held together with corruption, uh, scotch tape, and, and superglue do you want to keep? It's torturing here that the builders of the, of the world, the builders of the ages, they build society as a structure. That's what it really means in masonry. Yeah. And, and, and when that structure has fulfilled its purpose, they knock it down completely, and then they bring order out of chaos with the new one. So as they're bringing down... And that's what the Twin Towers symbolize, the Jachin and Boaz, the male and the female, the two systems, bringing down the old and they'll bring up the new with a new symbology for the new era. These are very deep, deep symbolic, uh, you know, uh, systems that they, they create, are they not? Just like you described the, the Twin yes, Towers. they are. The destruction and, and rebirth of a new world mm -hmm. order, right? And, and a new man and woman, a new type. A new type, that's the key to it, because it's going to be the Huxley, the Huxleyan type that they want, the, the purpose-made design, uh, the ideal design. That's another meaning of ID. Do the mystery schools teach that, that the uh, human nature is devolving to Godhead? Is, is that some of their teachings? They, they teach that only there, with the correct inbreeding and selection of a mate, 
uh, can you achieve it for the rest of the public that's called the profane that's where you're called commoners in Europe you see and we're all commoners we marry in common we don't have our mates selected for specific qualities and so it's a eugenics program they truly are eugenicists always have been start off with the Old Testament and all you're seeing is who begat whom begat whom because all arranged marriages is a eugenics program that's what it really means uh, their system is a eugenics program and all the high masons are introduced to their wives just like Prince Charles had his wife picked for him he didn't pick her uh, as a eugenics program they've got to understand this so so that that took place over in what in England and then America and then it went to Nazi Germany later the eugenics uh, ideas and movement and it was all branches of the same thing uh, and, and Blavatsky brought it out too it's very Hinduistic in style in fact, Hinduism is, is the closest parallel you'll find to all the mystery religions. It encompasses them all. And the high Brahministical structure, again, is a eugenics uh, system. They, they have their mates picked for them. They marry wealth. They marry a certain personality with cunning, a psychopathic type that sees through things. They're very streetwise. And they know how to manipulate. The art of manipulation is, is very important to them. They're born with it. And you can breed traits in or out of a human being the same way as you can with a domesticated dog. And Plato talked about that. And that's what he gave uh, as the reason that they were so bright in his day, the aristocracy, is because they had selective breeding for certain traits. And they could be ruthless when required regarding the general people. So, so in, a, in a essence, we have to become more street smart like they are and realize w that they're that way and also world smart about these systems that are acting through us, in, uh, these institutions. Is that right? We have to realize that psychopaths, and that's the key to it, they, they are psychopaths by nature. They breed each other with those particular traits as an ongoing thing. Psychopaths look out for their own personal survival um, above everything else. They have no human attachment to ordinary people whatsoever. Uh, and, and, uh, but they're very good at manipulation and acting. They're born actors. That's why politicians, unfortunately, uh, gravitate into it. They're psychopathic in nature. They gravitate towards power, and, and they like people to kowtow and, and bow to them. And they, they love applause. They need applause, in fact. Do they, they, use they are both, super ego. Yeah. Yeah. Do they use both high-minded ideas and then very dark, evil ideas? They sort of across the board, do they use all kinds of differing ideas? Absolutely. Even even though you got to understand, even your language is is, is uh, saturated with with occultic meanings. Uh, that they, they gave us the English language in the 1500s. They revamped it and created it, and they used Shakespeare to introduce thousands of words into the language, and and the King James Bible. That was also how they got it out to the people. Before that, people spoke a, a mixture of Saxon German in, in England, and um, and and even the word uh, Senate. The word Senate, everybody thinks, oh, what's the Senate, you know? We don't think what it means. That comes from the chessboard of ancient Egypt. That's what it was. It's a chessboard. Yeah. My gosh, when you start looking back at this, it's like a web, a network. Yeah, make a few, yeah, give us a little ideas now. I see it as a network that, that networks across institutions. That's why we can't see it that well. Absolutely. We had, again, if your parents don't know, like a mammal, to warn you of something, the child will think everything is quite natural and he'll never question anything in it. Uh, that's the simple key to it. Uh, the, the, the parental and, and, the, and the, the wisdom that people used to have to pass on is gone in most people. Uh, in fact, they destroyed the bond between generations. That was an imperative, according to Wells, who was trained by Aldo Huxley's grandfather, Sir Thomas, uh, Huxley, um, 
went and picked for his job. So, so parents unintentionally just uh, create into their children, uh, evoke into them or nurture into them the very system that they're enslaved by and, and yeah. not knowing of, right? Absolutely. In most cases? And that's the meaning of behind uh, uh, Adam choosing the words for, the, for the, the animals and the plants and so on. When a child asks you, what is that? And you give them a simple, straight answer. You're, you're in the dark. You don't know yourself. You've never questioned the word. That child then will say, oh, it's a tree. He'll never question it any further what it means or, or anything else. Or money, even. Here's money. All he knows is that he buys his ice cream with it, and he's quite happy. Right, and everybody goes on. <laughs> I'll tell you, they just sort of they die like that in ignorance, don't they, sometimes? They do. They, yeah. uh, sadly, they do. Mm-hmm. It's like a... I, I always envision a, a huge pyramid of the generations going up. Of, of, yeah, and just, of, they, of, they just die. You, they just they're born into ignorance and they die back to ignorance. Well, Alan Watt, thank you for your interview this morning and your insights. I, not everyone will agree with you, but I'll tell you what, I believe you're right on myself. Mm-hmm. But, and if but, you check into it, they'll find it's true. They, they will. Thank you very much, Alan Watt, and we'll have you the back place. at some time. We, we love to talk to you. Sure. 